0: Bright copper kettles and warm woolen mittens. Brown paper packages tied up with strings. These are a few of my favorite
3: things. Hi, I'm Rob Schneider. And I'm Kevin David Thomas. Happy Throwback
0: Thursday, everybody. Huzzah. Uh, Huzzah! That's so wonderful, Kevin. I love that. Once again, so excited. I'm excited because we have a very special guest with us today. Yes, we do, Rob. Uh, The brilliant, the wonderful, incredibly talented, Tony Award-winning costume designer, Paloma Young is with us today.
2: It's a pleasure to be here. Hi,
0: Paloma. How are you? I'm great. Thank you for joining us today.
2: It's Beautiful and sunny outside, even though there's snow everywhere.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for trudging through the snow in the beautiful day to get to us.
2: I've got good boots.
0: (laughs) I would hope as a costume designer you would have good boots. So, Paloma, just a couple of questions for you before we begin all of this fun stuff. Where were you born?
2: Uh, I was born in uh, Southern California, just outside of San Diego.
0: I was born in Southern California, too. Ventura County area?
2: Uh, I was born in Poway. Oh, nice. At a military hospital.
0: <laughs> Mom and dad or?
2: Uh, my grandparents.
0: Grandparents. That's very cool. That's very cool. Uh, did you do your training in California as well? You're studying?
2: I did. Uh, I uh, I went to University of California, Berkeley for mm-hmm. my undergrad. And I uh, did not specifically study costume design there. Uh, but I was a history major and I dabbled in the theater department I was there, and then when it came time to doing my uh, graduate work, I uh, found myself back home in San Diego, at UC San Diego.
0: And graduate work in...
2: In costume design. In
0: costume design. When you were studying history, Mm -hmm. were you studying a specific period that you were more attracted to?
2: Uh, Well, I started out uh, doing Holocaust studies, Uh uh, which was actually, it was, I, you know, I was an undergrad, and I came more or less straight out of high school, and so... You know, I was 18, 19 years old, and um, I found it actually just emotionally exhausting, yeah. Um, in a way that I was like, I this is really interesting subject matter, and um, I feel I'm feeling it a little too deeply to be an academic about it, and yeah. so I switched my focus, um, to uh, w- what it was referred to at the time as social history, uh, which is. Kind of, uh, it's like social anthropology. You're looking at um, the w- things that regular people do as opposed to politicians and rulers mm-hmm. and wars sure. and that sort of thing. And I cultures mean it, it, all, and stuff. All history is related, but sort of my, um, my thesis uh, was about the development of the concept of the, the co ed in American university life. Oh, fascinating. Oh, that's
0: really fascinating.
2: Uh, so, I mean, it was just through media. And yeah. then sort of like there was co-education um, all the way back in the 19th century. Um, it became m- much more common as you get into the 20th century, but it wasn't until the 20s because of, I won't give you my whole thesis here, but no, it, was, no, it was just sort of, um, w- you know, when we think of a co-ed, uh it's definitely a woman it's um maybe kind of a ditzy woman um she's pretty she's sassy um maybe she's a cheerleader like there are definitely like ideas about yeah. her that i you know i think mostly we interact with through um i, I playboy does an annual issue i think the co-ed mm-hmm. issue or oh, or or just it's it's become a word in our lexicon but that didn't really exist until the 20s yeah. and which was this kind of way in the media to deal with a, n- a new kind of woman that was new type. independent and um and and yeah so it was just sort of like looking at the ways that visually they were depicted in media what what did the cartoons look like versus what did photographs of real uh female college students look like
0: how fascinating yeah D-
3: did you have a lot of uh immersion in theater in high school growing up
2: uh, very little uh, i would say my my father uh, would take me to uh touring musicals yeah. I, I think i saw all of the andrew lloyd weber greatest hits yes uh, you know. yes of course yeah of course, yeah. Of course um, classic <laughs> uh, we would drive up to la or sometimes we would come down to san diego um and uh so i saw those productions but as far as being active in theater uh i was much more the in the arty group like i nice. was you know tick- photography and art
3: were you a, a drawer i mean we're, growing up did you I was
2: like a, pa- a painter oh. or just like a, d- a dabbler like collage <laughs> okay. i'm not okay. i'm not that good at drawing okay. um, was like because like, that's sort of like i think that there's this misconception that all costume designers totally um, yeah make these beautiful renderings and um some of them do and some of them hire other people to do them i didn't and, know that mm-hmm, oh, there's s- there um uh i i have hired illustrators at, at times just because i don't have time yeah um but it's also a lot of the great uh vendors that i work with that make these like beautiful costumes for me they're able to translate from a really crappy drawing and a couple of pieces of research, like, we can talk through it and, they, like... And get the vision. Right, yeah. exactly. Wild. So, yeah. So, I did, I was more of an art student. Um, I did have one moment. I ra- ran away to Berlin when uh, I was in high school. Oh, wow.
3: Um, I mean, it's like, when you uh, say run away to Berlin... <laughs>
2: uh, my parents didn't know where oh, I was. Okay. They, oh, yeah. So, so, yeah. So, they, so like,
3: full-on running away to Berlin. Yeah, I, I,
2: you know, I had a little money saved up for a car and instead I was like I can't be in San, rural San Diego anymore. Um and uh and so I had a distant cousin um who was more my mother's age, but I had run into her in a family function and she um lives in Berlin and uh was like you can come stay with us anytime. And so I came and stayed in her attic. Uh, wow! And eventually, uh, signed up to go to school there because I was lonely, and I was like, "Oh, actually, the only thing I'm good at is school."
3: How so, old were you when you when you did uh, this adventure? Sixteen. Okay, perfect. Wow! Do you speak German?
2: Uh, I mean, I'm much better at eavesdropping in German, <laughs> um, and and I can definitely get by okay. if I if I needed. Key information, um, however, the Germans all learn English in school, oh, and of course the, they do, and a large majority of them uh, retain it um, wow. because it is a global language, and also they love speaking it unlike the French, so the minute that you try and speak to this, you know, it's a blanket statement. I'm sure there are plenty of Germans sure, that sure, hate sure. speaking English. But but the my experience was I would try and speak German to someone. They would hear my American accent, and they would immediately reply to me in English that was m- far superior to my German. <laughs> so it <laughs> totally. was just I, I didn't have the incentive to continue to attempt to speak really shitty German. <laughs> um, so... So yeah, so that's um, so wow. I went there. I went to school. While well, I was in school, I wanted to be in the art class, and they said the art class was full, but I could join the drama class. Um, so that is the only. It was an acting class. It's the only acting class I've ever taken. Um, and we were doing a production of "You Can't Take It With You," um, and uh, I was cast as Mrs. Kirby. Um, uh, who is, like, the sort of uppity, rich mother. Nice. Um, nice. And I was very bad at it, <laughs> I'm sure. <laughs> uh, um, there's luckily no record of it. But one of the things that I did do while I was there is the sort uh, this. R- basement storage had been flooded and I was much more interested in organizing all the costume stuff oh, um, than uh-huh. actually being in the play. Sure, sure. Um, and so I'm, I'm very glad to have had the experience because uh, uh, I have a great respect for all of the actors that I work with um, and uh, like understand what, why they're so crazy. Sure. <laughs> um, so. Yep. So that's sort of my only contact with theater in high school was that very, I think, different than most American high school students, like what you would call like a drama kid.
3: Yes.
0: Yes, totally. And then why did you decide to go to graduate school?
2: Um... So I had uh, done a little bit of costume design in undergrad, just sort of took a couple classes that were available at Berkeley. They're not really um, a design or production-oriented school. They're much more theoretical. Um, they don't have a graduate department in design in their theater department. And um, what that meant for me as just like, hey, I'm a history major, but I I like this class, and uh, I I was... Um, you know, a Gold Star student. And uh, and they said, hey, do you want to, like, design this, like, Beckett shorts? And I was like, sure. Um, so, you know, I, I think in a lot of these more th- theater-oriented schools, you have kids that have been doing theater since they were born um, or high school or whatever, and the field of competition is much higher. So there's not much room for someone that's like, Sure, I'll try that out. Yeah. Like, and so I don't know that I would have ended up here at all if I hadn't just been in this thing where I was like, "This is fun," <laughs> and um, like, sure, I'll try that. Yeah. Uh, so I, I I did that, and then I designed a couple more things at Berkeley while I was a student, and shortly after I graduated, and and then I sort of went off to be like, "What am I going to do with my life?" As a bartender and SAT tutor <laughs> and I um, was a fact checker for history books and was just like am I going to be a librarian and I just sort of had this like epiphany of like I really miss this thing this thing that I was just doing for fun and maybe I can do that for my life but I'm I haven't really I'm not trained enough because I wasn't focused on it as a right, career right and um, I think I didn't really have anyone to talk to because I think if I had talked to anyone, they would have told me that I needed to do work in the field. Right. Um, but I didn't. I just went to school because that is what I saw as like the option on the table that I understood how to do it.
3: Right. And you're you like education and it seems. And yeah. so it made sense that you would go to graduate school yeah. for that. So yeah.
2: then I, so I just applied to graduate school and um, and then I ended up down in San Diego. Yeah, and, and then and then and then I started paying attention to it. Like, right, little, <laughs> right, and really studying it. it and theater, yes, yes, of course. When, when you went to
0: graduate school, did you think that upon graduation you would immediately become a working designer, or did you think that you might go and teach somewhere?
2: I had no idea. You just wanted I the just master's I just was sort and, of like, yeah. I'm just. I think I went through that, um, not focused on career or, it just was sort of, I will see where this leads me. Um and I thought I I guess if you would ask me maybe a year before graduating, I thought maybe I'll be doing some shows for no money and um and then being a waitress or yeah. being a bartender again or who who or a tutor. Um and I think uh I did. I mean, I definitely, I love teaching, and I haven't taught in years, and I miss it a lot. Um, and I did end up teaching at UCSD after I graduated for a couple years. Yeah. So, but it wasn't, like, it sort of got um, proposed to me, and then we sort of worked out a curriculum around it.
0: We have a lot of listeners who are in the middle of their graduate school training. If there's one piece of advice that you could give them while they are still in school, what might it be?
2: Um, keep track of your research. Um I, I, just as a designer, um I I find that I remember vaguely I, I you collect so much interesting information, art the names of artists, the names of obscure um you know european films Mm -hmm. from the 60s and all of this stuff gets thrown at you and i am very messy person or and i especially was in grad school i'm kind of become more organized (laughs) um in my 30s but um i i mean it was literally just a lot of um xeroxes everywhere and things would get crumpled and then I'd throw them away. Literally
3: of, of ideas or things that, that you loved that yeah, you saw. Yeah, things that, that thought, I loved oh. or
2: even like things that I w- was a teacher shared with us and, and I was like, eh. Um, now I w- I'm trying to remember those and then I can't find them. Yeah, either, like For the most part, it's like I just can't even uh, access the information. Like, what What was the name of the movie? I remember seeing this movie that had, like, this weird minotaur in it, but it wasn't this movie and it wasn't yeah. that movie. Yeah. So, um, and and also a lot of the research that I found myself, I wasn't very good at preserving it. Mm-hmm. And so even if you just, and I think that a lot of students now, um, a lot of their information and visuals are all coming through digital Media, and so it just like make that folder and like don't have like a junk folder right. like yeah. like <clears throat> be like this what you know this is as you like it 2017 make that folder make it easy to search even if all of your files have like gobbledygook names on them right. like <laughs> have it in a single place where you can find it later. How
3: much, you know, I think a lot of people don't realize how much work goes into the research. Before You get a project, you spend, I would love to know how much time, you know, assembling visions, magazine clips, you know, multimedia stuff. I mean, we went to William Ivy Long's studio, and the whole room was full of research. You know, I think a lot of people don't realize that there's so much work that you do before you put your pen on the paper and say, this is what it's going to look like for this show. Well, yeah,
2: I think what... Uh at least what I do as a designer is I'm creating clothes for characters to tell a story, mm-hmm. whether those, uh, and and sometimes you're creating um, clothes on performers or dancers that are m- almost more like scenic, like mm. creating, sure. a, you know, like a, a Busby Berkeley girls or that sort of um, thing. Uh, but for the most part, I do work where I'm creating characters or part of the creation of characters. And even if those characters exist um you know two hundred years ago uh or in a fantasy world that's made up of you know it's sci fi but it's also a little bit old west or mm-hmm. you yeah. know it, when you get dressed in the morning, like did you make your clothes from scratch right <laughs> no, like none of oh. us did um and if you did in twenty seventeen that says a lot about who you are as a person. <laughs> right. Like you are a yeah. very weird person. Yeah. Um and and I want to know that person, but also just um I think that it's very important to understand the concept. So if you give me um a character like Natasha in Great comment yeah. that just opened, like she's a fictional character, Um, that, you know, was written by Dave Malloy coming out of... You know, Tolstoy wrote her first, and then Dave um, interpreted her for the musical. Um, But she's a person. She's written as a person and um, in a specific time period. And even though um, it gets filtered through so much um, research, whether that's, you know, visual or musical or historical... Uh, at its core, I think it needs to be real clothes, like, it, or it has to be at least m- moored there. Mm. Because um, if I just drew the actress on the page and then fantasized about nope. what a dress would look like without any sort of like, what did. People really wear as dresses yeah. um in eighteen twelve like w- of different classes um of different regions in the world, so mm. I'm looking at details like
0: Russia,
3: embroidery yeah, versus
2: yeah. you know Russia versus France yeah. and that sort of thing, and I don't have to use that, but I want to have those things to draw from um and and even then also then I go look at magazines because I'm like this photo shoot from you know twenty sixteen. Looks like these two models remind me of the relationship between Sonia and Natasha, and so oh, like the way that a contemporary audience is looking at relationships and character through our contemporary v- visual language. So it's important to stay current, yes, into like what our visual language is right now, yeah. and also. To have that history and just just like literally have thousands of pictures in front of me when I go to draw that dress as opposed to just like coming up up with it out of thin air.
3: Right. You have to have inspiration. And, And just side note, did you intend for her to look like a comet? I mean, like when I saw, I saw a picture of her and it was the first time we saw the show, loved it. And I watched this video on on Broadway World of you talking about, and there was a photo of her. And I, I it was like the whole show came into into view for me because of that costume. Because I thought, oh my God, she's like the comet to him. And and I don't know if that was intended, but it really kind of rocked me a little bit. Because she does Uh, shine in it like a comet. And I don't know if that was intended or if that just was a happy accident.
2: uh, I don't. I didn't come to the table specifically being like Natasha is the the comet. Yeah. But I did want there to be visual connection, albeit very subtle, I think, for most observers between Natasha and the atmosphere that Mimilia and the Mm -hmm. uh, set designer had created, and also just the the language of movement in that show. Um, So... Pierre is located right in the center of everything um, and uh, in an area. There's all of the areas on stage because there's so many as yeah. they go into the house um, that is sort of unceremoniously called the donut. Um, <laughs> yeah, but that it, loop but, with the band right but there in He basically yeah. um, sits in a, in a, a circular pit mm-hmm. and, and a lot of the key action happens around him in a kind of orbit and uh and it's it's even like not quite a circle, it's an oval, which is the um which is the orbit of comets. You'd have to ask Mimi if that was intentional, but it was something wow. that I noticed but 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 there's the the language of the show you know musically uh scenically choreographically is very um circular mm. um and it's- ra- it's a lot of round corners, it's a lot of sort of spiraling. Um, spiraling out of control, spiraling into each other. Um, and then you have all of these um, uh, chandeliers that are that kind of mid-century Sputnik, like they're globes, but then they have sort of offshooting little little um, rays. Yes. And then those rays have more gl- globes of light on them. And so when you look at Natasha, um, all of her, uh, we have a lot of... Uh, Laces in the show, and uh, things you would expect to be in, you know, fam- you know at the opera, at a right. ball, in uh, in 19th century Russia. Mm-hmm. Um, but Natasha's motifs are all s- circular, and so she's got these kind of uh, glitterly, glittery silver polka dots on her mm-hmm. uh, ball dress, and then she has these uh, uh, a beaded fringe uh that that is a silver echo of the rays that are coming out of the uh the chandeliers Mm -hmm. so it's you know it's it's a long silver bead and then at the end is we have these uh S- uh, spherical beads. I'm like, okay, yeah. access my words to that. No, no, yeah, um, yeah. No, so we have these. So, so yes, it was totally intentional that, like, she has this relationship to what the you know uh, the chandeliers ultimately become to represent the comet as well. Yeah. Um. And so, and, and she also has this like double ringed gold headband, uh, which is its period, um, or it relates to a period hairstyle, but it is also like like all of our or- orbits around yes. here
0: and has that edgy quality as well and yeah when you uh when you first got this show uh what is or on any show specifically or not specifically i should say your conversations where do your conversations begin i'm assuming the first conversations between you and the text to figure out what the text is saying and where the text wants to go what's your next conversation in your collaborative world
2: Well, I'll usually read the text, and and if it's a musical, um, I try and get my hands on some form of the music, whether it's a demo or um, uh, you know. So sometimes it's been worked on previously, or but but yeah, like some bit of the music. Get the text, uh, read it through, uh, and then read it through again. Taking notes, not notes like it's raining here, or you. But like notes of like this seems like this guy's an asshole, Um, or you just. Or uh, sometimes it'll just be about like place or language or, um, yeah. So so I I take a few notes. It's not. It's it all is like is usually I write on the front page of the script, Mm -hmm. of course, Um, because it's always easy to find those initial notes and then I meet with the director
0: and very quickly do you like to have any input from the director prior to your first read or do you like to go in with a with a clean slate
2: I don't mind it if it's sometimes a a director has really strong ideas that are like I want you to think about this while you're reading the script Mm -hmm. and so I I, I, that happens very rarely but Mm -hmm. I'm not going to push them away
0: what's your ideal designer director relationship or collaboration
2: um I I my ideal relationship is that uh I have a director that tr- trusts me um because the director is very busy and um I want to feel like the director that I've understood the director um and what their vision is and that I've communicated that enough with them that they feel comfortable that I'm going to execute it. Cuz whatever is on the page, whatever is on the research, it's always different when it's on a human being when it's on stage. Yeah. And so um I don't want to have to constantly be barraging a director with minutia um that I'm dealing with um because I want to feel like, in the end, what I put up on stage is going to be 95% what they were hoping for. Right. With the Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere.
0: This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky.
1: A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino at chumbacasino.com. Choose from hundreds of social casino-style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. prohibited by law. See terms and
0: conditions. Eighteen plus. Do you like to be in a lot of the rehearsals, or do you like to go off do your own thing?
2: And then I would come love observe? to be in a lot of the rehearsals. I'm usually too busy. Yeah. Um and uh so I will come for run throughs. One of the things is I really depend on the actors as uh translators and messengers. So whenever they come into their uh fittings, I will ask them how rehearsals are going. I'll get a sense of whether everyone in the room is exhausted or excited <laughs> yeah. or both. Um and then as I'm putting the clothes on them, I'll have them move around in the ways that they've been moving. Um, I will try and sense if there's hesitation about anything about their costume.
3: Do you like feedback from actors about Absolutely. Oh, yeah.
2: Um, I, I mean, the actor is in a lot of ways, doing the same thing that a designer is doing. They read the script before rehearsal starts. They start thinking about, um, they're maybe not necessarily doing so much visual research, but just like trying to define who this character is outside of just a few words that are on the page. And um, if they've come up with a very different idea than what I've come up with as a designer... um, it's going to be a train wreck on stage, yeah. um, because that actor is going to be working and creating a character that is totally wrong for the clothes, um, and and so even though I might have discussed with the director beforehand, like this is what we think this character is going to be, as soon as I sort of sense one of those large divergences, is like I will contact the director about that wow and 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 just not not like this is a problem. we must fix it, but just like how it how is this character has this character changed now that you have been sitting in rehearsal with this actor? Um, it seems like maybe our ideas are shifting. Wow. However, if you still feel very strongly about what we talked about before you started rehearsing with this actor, I think you need to talk to this actor because mm. and give them, you know, push them in that direction or give them notes in that direction. So that's sort of like the one time that I will really engage with the director during the rehearsal process is when I feel like rela- relationship-wise like the, the, or just idea-wise uh, an actor and I are, are in wildly different mm-hmm. places but for the most part, I feel like the actor is in the room every day as the show is organically changing, and then they come to rehearsal, and I learn new things about it, and mm-hmm. I'm able to adjust.
0: Fantastic, yeah, yeah. We're going to ask something. I'm so yeah, sorry. Uh,
3: yeah. I'm curious. You know, we all know that Natasha Pierce started at Ars Nova in a very more intimate, shall we say, setting, in mm-hmm. which they beautifully and you have beautifully done uh, for the Imperial Theater, which is let's say a bigger space. Um, how did your work? translate to that? Did you have to make any adjustments at all? Now that you knew an audience was going to be viewing it, maybe not as close as we are sitting right now, but from half a football field away in some cases.
2: Uh, Well, in this particular case, uh, there were only really a few major adjustments that had to get made. And by major, I mean just like, we're going to make this coat green instead of um, Burgundy, ah. uh, just because it disappears, yeah, sure, sure. A, in a larger space. But a lot of the initial ideas just happened to translate, yeah, really well. Um, ha, you know, having our key character Natasha uh, in white in the middle of a room that is very—it's like red velvet walls mm-hmm. and it's sort of golden, warm brown flooring—and um, she really pops. Oh, oh yeah. yeah, and so <laughs> even though the the dress itself is simple, like that's actually quite important and has been important from the beginning and then it's like, well, we don't want to make it like much more complex or add pattern to it It's like actually it already sort of was perfect um yeah, and so a lot of those ideas we just um had the opportunity to uh m- make some of our items a little bit more luxe, but yeah. um It was always something that was really like in there already. That's amazing. Um, We punched the color of the ensemble a little bit more, but they still exist as a bridge between the audience and our principals. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. And and so, like, we couldn't, I wasn't interested in designing them from scratch to be built by a shop. Um, Mm. They still need to be pieced together by real clothes that any person in our audience could go and find on the street.
0: Fantastic! Wow, that's so yeah. wonderful.
2: I mean, they aren't necessarily going to do that. Like, they're very, they're very stylized. But the illusion like of that, it. though, is yeah. clear,
3: it, yeah. and it really did. That effect was is really well done. I mean, it really, really felt that. Uh, okay. how, yeah. Oh, Oh, yeah. Oh, yes. Truly.
0: How closely did you work uh, with your set designer on Natasha Pierre in terms of making sure that the color scheme was appropriate, making sure texture was appropriate?
2: I mean that. The thing about that set is, it's a room, and it's a very complex room, and and getting all of those angles and staircases to all meet up is a, <laughs> I I don't know how Mimi does it, but <laughs> but it, it it's sort of existed already. Right. It, it's made of very few elements, and those elements are have existed since Ars Nova. There there was a moment there have been a couple moments in the evolution of the show when it was we were looking at other Broadway theaters um or when we weren't looking at Broadway but it was just sort of looking to incorporate the set with the environment around it and I remember Mimi was looking at some theater I don't know what it was but it was um it had a lot of sort of rich greens and kind of taupey marble Mm -hmm. in it. And she had sort of reimagined the set in that color scheme. So instead of the red velvet walls and, you know, she'd done the model and put it all in the space and all the designers were in there. And it was like, I see, I understand why you're doing this, but I, but it was like, I think that is, the wrong idea
3: another direction yeah yeah well but yeah. it was just
2: because it was like that the se- it was like the set is going to be the set the whole show right. and um there there's something about for me and that and then I was sort of speaking just as an audience member and not as a fellow collaborator but um was when you go through these bunkers and then you step into the theater and the theater is like uh a warm, luxurious womb, yeah, like it the, there's something about the the warmth of the space I and the red it. specifically yeah. that is, feels so luxurious and feels so specifically Russian. Even though I knew that Mimi was working off of, um, you know, these Russian palaces when mm-hmm. she was looking at this sort of green and marble set. And I, and then selfishly I was like, well, the white dress is going <laughs> to suck. <laughs> I thought you are just got this, it's like white on beige. Yeah. <laughs> 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 um, oh. so, uh, so yeah, it, w- it was more like the set already existed, and I worked off of that, and then as the set evolved, I I sort of offered my feedback. The, the, the color of the floor um, has changed over time, but not in any sort of drastic way. So we go back and forth yeah. about, like, what do you think of this, what do you think of this, But but... In this particular instance, for Great Comet, it's like the set was the set, and then the set was an inspiration to me to work within. Oh, that's. What
0: drew you to The Great Comet in the first place? Why did you decide to say yes to this job?
2: They offered it to me. (laughs) Yeah. No, I (laughs) actually like, uh, um, uh, this is something we're sort of, you were asking about before we uh, started the interview, but um, as far as my path as a designer, um i i was based out in california and i had done uh a couple i had worked at a couple high profile regional theaters um but then that seemed to sort of stagnate mm-hmm. um and felt like I needed to make a move for my career. Either, you know, was I going to move up to L.A. and try and break into film and TV, or was I going to go out to New York and become a quote-unquote New York designer? Yeah, I um, and... So I moved to New York and, you know, everyone had given me this impression that the what you do is you, you know, you take these jobs that pay zero dollars with a five hundred dollar budget. And and that's how you meet your future collaborators, which are, you know, the director of this show is the A.D. on, you know, Jersey Boys. And then he's going to get through that. like so, you, so it all made sense to me as a structure.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, I had. A really hard time getting any of those jobs because I I had no connections through grad school on the East Coast either through Yale or NYU. Um, right. I, I just having the knowing about them to begin with mm. or being asked to interview for them. The, those opportunities were few and far between. And then when I did get those opportunities um, to interview, I was. I didn't get the jobs because I didn't have New York experience. Uh, And so what happened is uh, I had gotten one show in New York through a playwright that I had worked with in grad school. They were producing her play at Second Stage Uptown and she introduced me to the director and um, the director liked me enough to... You know, g- give the playwright the designer that she wanted. <laughs> right, um, take this risk on this. Uh, yeah. So that was my first show in New York, and um, and uh, went fine. Um, so that so at that point.
3: And when was that, if you don't mind? Um,
2: uh, let me try and remember. <laughs> um, I think that that would have been. I moved to New York in two thousand eight, and I think that might have been in 2010.
3: Okay, mm. cool.
2: Um, you know, I, I assisted a little for other people, and then I had day jobs that had nothing to do with sure. theater. Um, but that was my first design job in New York, and then even then after that, people were like, that's not enough New York experience. <laughs> so you did this one show at Second oh, Stage York um, And then one of the shows that I had been attached to um, – Through my graduate school at UCSD, or, you know, I had, they, UCSD has a sister relationship with La Jolla Playhouse, and I had done some work at La Jolla for their workshops and their page to stage program, and they had, um, brought me in to do Peter and the Starcatcher when I was a workshop production out there as, as a designer. Yeah, as a designer, but as a local designer. Mm. Sure. Yeah, so you gotta I go sta- back. yeah, I stayed with my mom. Yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah. you know, I was like, yeah, I'm Good local. Good decision. Yeah. Paloma. So, so it was like I was just, I was just about to move to New York. Like I, you know, I had yeah. my ticket and everything, but it was sort of. Like, oh, we have, are you still local? And I was like, absolutely. So you didn't feel Um, like it was like a
3: step back or anything like that? No,
2: I did the interview and, um, you know, read the script and loved the play. mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, so this would have been back in 2008 um, when that was sort of brewing. um, And I got that job, but then moved to New York and then flew back, had to fly back and be a quote, quote unquote local designer. So that had been happening. And then eventually that show Moved to New York Theater Workshop, yep. and um, and they brought me with the show. Good, and uh, and then it went to Broadway. Yep. Um, and then, then after that,
3: <laughs> and then there's the, the Tony Award, and then and I then, went to Tony Award, and then yes.
2: after that, I got asked to interview for this little show at Ars Nova,
3: and you were like, oh, sure, like a little no, show, but it, after but, this, but like it, these
2: were the things. I was like, no, I I I read the libretto and I thought it sounded really interesting. Um, I I was also totally exhausted because they did reach out to me right in the middle of award season. Sure. Sure. Um, I think at that point I had been nominated, but the the Tonys hadn't happened yet. But um, you know, I I I was just thrilled. I was like, yes, yes, please! Like (laughs) this is what I have been waiting for: is to work at these um really amazing off-off Broadway theaters that are doing edgy work. So
3: you're attracted to that kind of work, let's say. I,
2: yeah, I was. And I was like, oh, I finally have an in. I yeah. just had to get a Broadway show <laughs> yeah. first. Um, uh, and then I, and I have this story where I guess nobody noticed, but I was so tired. I went into this interview. I had my portfolio Rachel Tavkin, the director was talking about how she thought it was important that the principal characters be dressed in period clothes because the music itself was so not period wow. um, and right. the set was sort of uh, had period references but was a little bit more abstract and um and i and I kept saying oh no i I get it that's great um I've never done um 1912, but and I just, like, my brain, while I was on the subway, had just like, decided that this show took place in the early 20th century, even though I know, I was a history major. I... (laughs) I know War and Peace takes place like, right. <laughs> in the early 19th century, but I but at the same time <laughs> I was showing her pictures of like Jane Austen stuff that I had designed. So oh, I God. actually had designed in right. the correct period, but I was like, <laughs> I've never personally designed a Warting clothes before. I like left that interview and realized what I had done, and I was like, Well, I'm never getting You're, like, that horrified.
3: job. Horrified, <laughs> yeah. Oh,
2: um, that's what I get for like getting two hours sleep. Um but oh my god. But yeah, no, but they nope, booked uh, it. But they have <laughs> but they have I booked it, yeah. Um and, and but you know, and then I had the right I think I knew it was eighteen twelve, um, 12. Exactly. And we were off to a great start. It was in the yeah. title. Yeah. It's good, though. <laughs> it's in, the, <laughs> it's in the, title. the title. No, it's all right. It's so, they so you can, <laughs> I've had amazing interviews where I was like, they love me. <laughs> I have this job. Everything's great. And then they're like, a week later, they're like, we went with someone else. And oh, I'm yeah. Like, ah. You know, so it was like. But the one you
3: think you bomb is the like, one you book. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 That's so classic.
2: That, so it was uh, like I took I was interested in the job because they offered it, and also um, I do like work that is, especially musical theater mm-hmm. that is trying to um, do new and interesting things yeah. that I, I think maybe speak to audiences that didn't grow up going to the theater. Yes, That's
0: awesome indeed. That is so awesome. Yeah. Uh, can we talk a little about your next project, which uh, I got to see at Paper Mill? And oh. thought it was fantastic, and that's Bandstand.
2: Yeah, very excited. I'm uh, very excited. It's called Bandstand, and not the Bandstand. Yes, just Bandstand. Just. Even though I have no idea why, I'm not <laughs> privy to these <laughs> these decisions.
0: <laughs> two shows oh. in one season. You get two shows yeah. in one season. Yeah,
2: yeah. It's a big year for me. It's
0: good. And what <laughs> and what period does Bandstand take place in?
2: Um, it takes place right after um, we win World War Two, and. So it's like late forties, mm-hmm. and it takes place over a very short period of time probably it's it's not specifically laid out, but it's about like a six month period. Um, I could be wrong about that, so don't quote but it's very short less than a year yes um and uh but one of the things that we're doing stylistically is we're playing around with. Pushing the progress of fashion um, much faster. Mm. So w- when we start with these characters at the beginning of the show, they feel like they are very much in um, you know nineteen forty seven, yeah. and then they jump forward into like visually um, at the end of the show, it's much more early fifties sort of huh. vibe to things. Uh,
0: I know I cannot wait to see it again because mm-hmm. I think it's such an important story to be telling, because it deals mostly with post-traumatic stress disorder, oh, which mm-hmm. is wow. something we don't I really talk that's... about, one, in the theater, and two, specifically musical theater. So I'm very excited that's going to be exposed to a whole mm-hmm. new audience, and there'll be a whole new topic of conversation right. that emerges out of it.
2: Well, I mean, one of the things that I love about the show is it's a little bit of a honey trap, um, in that the I think that there is a a certain audience that, understands World War II stories um, as something that is, you know, it's about, like, the heroes band together and... Uh, in this case we 're watching this group of veterans come together to form a band to win a contest mm. and it 's like I feel like i 've seen this you know wartime yeah. movie yeah, yeah. Uh, and uh you know my my grandfather actually uh was in the Navy he was a navy pilot oh, yeah. um, uh in World War two and then for much of his life after the war. Uh, and he was also a musician, and as was his twin brother, who oh, was wow. also in the navy so um there's a great picture I keep with my research of yeah. them. They were featured in life magazine wow um oh, wow. Uh, and they it was about like this his battalion was on leave, mm-hmm. and so it was like, what are these you know airmen on leave, and it's him with his Italian mother sitting around like you know playing piano and trumpet um and so this, you know, band of army vets is yeah. very close to me. And then also I know like this, I, I've always seen these joyous pictures of my grandfather up on the walls growing up, but also I didn't read the the actual article that went on. Like I went and found that Life magazine when I was in college and um, I, I didn't even know, and he talks about being shot down um, and he was in the water for over wow. a day. Um, waiting to get picked up. Oh. and I. But he never talked about that and sort of understanding that, like, he just never talked about the war. Um, and, and so that was a real sort of way in emotionally. So, so we have this show where it's like, oh, it's so happy. Like, I think of that Life magazine photo. And then um, the sort of gut punch is like, yeah. oh, no, actually, this is about PTSD. Deep down, it's
0: yeah. A, it's a really beautiful show, and your work on it is so phenomenal. Because there are so many characters and they're all part of this, this band and so they're all yeah. uniformed in some way, shape, or form, and to keep track of everybody and their emotional journey. It's it's a tough job and you do it so well. So congratulations on that. Can't well, wait Thank to you. And that. we're
2: putting it all together right now. It's a very it's um it's very different than Great Comet. Mm-hmm. Um it's much more cinematic. It's much more like there's you really want the clothes to disappear. Yeah. They're part of the storytelling, but um, it should seem like you got transported, um, you know, back to the 40s mm-hmm. and um, are just walking down the street, which is actually a really hard trick. To pull <laughs> sure, <off>. sure. So <laughs> subtle. Yeah.
3: Mm-hmm. Um, Indeed.
0: Yeah. This the, Paloma, thank you so much for joining us today. And so once again, you can go see Paloma's work on Natasha Pierre and the Great Comet of 1812,
3: and the Bandstand, and then Bandstand, bandstand. Band. not the Bandstand, the
0: Bandstand. <laughs> thank you so Coming much, up guys. Pretty soon. Thank Thanks you so Paloma. much, Take Paloma. Paloma. Bye bye. Raindrops on roses and whiskers on kittens. Bright copper kettles and warm woolen mittens. Brown paper packages tied up with strings. These are a few
3: of my favorite things. I dreamed a dream of days to come where sponsorship is high and money is forthcoming. That's beautiful,
0: Kevin. I really added a voice onto that one, too. (laughs) I really was trying to go for something there. Listeners, we love creating this podcast, but it does cost money. Please don't make me sell my Angel record. Oh, my gosh, the original cast recording of Angel. That, like, nobody has. Nobody has it. If you like what we are doing and want to keep doing more of it, please head over to Patreon.com. That's what? P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com. I Pat like a, Rion. I feel oh, Patreon. Yeah, Pat, Pat Rion. Rion. Pat Rion.
3: Yeah, and once you're there, search for Behind the Curtain Broadway's Living Legends, and of course don't expect
0: to give without receiving some great rewards such rewards include behind the scenes videos Ooh. shout outs on future episodes Ooh. or episodes depending on what part of the country you're from because <laughs> i said episodes and early access to some of our podcasts hell for the right price kevin and i will come to your apartment and act out all of agnes of god <laughs> so head over friends to p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com to
3: help us out